0: Matthew chapter five, very famous scriptures, because of course it's the Sermon on the Mount. And if anyone knows, you know, people out there know the Bible, they seem to know the verses from this chapter. Because um, if they can't manage to read through the whole three chapters of the Sermon on the Mount, at least they get through some of the first chapter, which is this one, five. And um, we're going up to the to the end of it, verse uh, thirty-eight. And I want to talk tonight about the title is "Love Your Enemies," and uh, we'll just read it first verse 38 you've heard that it hath been said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth but i say unto you that you resist not evil but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek turn to him the other also and if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat let him have thy cloak also and whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile go with him twain or two give to him that asketh thee and from him that would borrow of thee turn not thou way you've heard that it's being said thou shalt love thy neighbour and hate thine enemy but I say unto you love your enemies bless them that curse you do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you that you may be the children of your father which is in heaven for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust for if you love them which love you what reward have you do not even publicans or tax collectors do the same And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And as I say, they're fairly familiar scriptures, but if you stop and think about them for a moment, they're incredibly audacious. And even today, with these being so well known uh, for the past 2,000 years and infiltrating our culture, um, Western culture for so long, well not just Western culture, the whole world, you know wherever Christianity has gone, yet it's still so hard to follow these words of Jesus, isn't it? You know when something happens, you want to to fight back, and it happens? you see it happen on a national level, of course, and lots of conflict in the world at the moment, but even on a personal level, even in your family, even when you're in the Lord, sometimes some say, This person did this person to me, and you know, you're like, Alright, what can I do? You know, do back. I mean, that's kind of human nature. It's the carnal response. And Jesus is saying, Well, I know that you've heard this, you know, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, and that's, that's in the Old Testament, in Exodus, and Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, so three books of the law there. But he says, Well, hang on, we're actually going to change that. We're going to turn that on its head. And I have often say about Jesus' doctrine that it's just so incredibly audacious. Um, as I say, it's familiar because we've all sort of grown up with it in our society, but it's still incredibly audacious to say these things and to expect people to live by them. And I guess some people do find it too difficult. I mean, I know when I was growing up in the in the Church of England, going to the Anglican Church, and you hear the words of Jesus, you really, I respected them. I thought, this, is, this guy's really got some integrity and what he says is quite amazing but I don't think I can do this uh, you know at high school you know with all that someone you know has a go at you, you you feel like right you know get back somehow don't you you don't think you can live by it but of course he's he's actually prefiguring how it is for us now that we've received the Holy Spirit There was a whole, wasn't the Holy Spirit at this time he was speaking to his disciples but later on he knew they would have it they would understand what he was talking about and uh, we know that um people have put these these words into practice through history we see it, when we see it we people actually get called christ-like or um yeah real christians when people see them behave like this because it is so radical it really is radical to do this love your enemies bless them that curse you we don't see that in the world today do we we see a, a terrorist incident here we see lots of bombing in response you know a have reaction we see Twin Towers knocked over, we have seen immediately a kickback, you know, invasion of Iraq. You know, it's it's the way of the world. And for a supposedly Christian civilization, these words are not followed. But then, of course, you can't follow them if you don't have the Holy Spirit. And um, we have to strive to, to put these into practice as spirit-filled people, as examples to this world, as lights. You know, verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And if we do these things, then the light will shine out and everyone will recognize that is radical. That's actually, they're doing what Jesus said, and that is amazing. You know, you might, it might not be in a very big thing. It might just be something small. But, um, you know, you do a favor for someone at work, you ask them to do a favor for you, they don't do it next time they ask you for a favour again, what do you say? No? Or do you say, yes, I'll do that favour again, even though you didn't reciprocate? You know, it's, it's remembering what Christ said, not what your carnal feelings are, are telling you to do. And in verse 45 it says, if we do this, we are the children of our Father which is in heaven. And uh, we want to reflect him through our behaviour. So we can only be his children and, and that light on the hill by following these words. If you love me, keep my commandments. And um, okay, so you might think, oh, okay, that's that's good. I'll try and do that. But you know, where's the practical application of these things? Well, there's one back in in the same chapter in verse 21. You've heard that it was said of them by of old time, "Thou shalt not kill," and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment but i say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment and whosoever shall say to his brother Reka shall be in danger of the council but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire oh verse 23 therefore if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother has aught against thee leave there thy gift before the altar go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. And um, that's a very practical instruction, isn't it? Because it's talking about fellowship. You know, your brother, your sister is the person sitting alongside you, um, behind you, in the meeting. You know, or they're up at Up, uh, Morley, Sydney, Melbourne, you know, London, Rotterdam, Fortaleza. Bali, wherever, you know, they're, they're all over, and, um, you know, if there's any kind of issue these days, of course, in social media, you might accidentally offend someone, you know, who you've never met, who's in the fellowship, who's your brother or sister, and, uh, you know, you've got to make it right somehow, you know, that that happens. Uh, in social media, people, you know, trying to, it's been around for a little while now, but, you know, work out the protocols, how not to offend each other, you know, we all know that emails, you can come across the wrong way. Uh, if you don't put the little smiley thing on and uh, or the ha-ha in, you know, when people don't don't sort of realise that you're actually joking, so you have to really spell it out literally. Uh, and if you really mean it, you put about five ha's in. And, <laughs> and if you only, yeah, you know, usually two will do, won't they? But, you know, after even the colon and the, and the bracket, Um smiley face is sort of on its side. What, Tess, am I digging a hole? <laughs> Tess, it corrects me, you see, I... I wrote. What did I write? Ha ha! Lol. <laughs> and and Tessa sent me a message saying, "Dad, you don't do that. One or the other." <laughs> so I'm I'm learning. I've only had this smartphone for a couple of months. Remember? Um, but you know we can do that, and you know it comes up. I mean, yeah, there, there there was some. You know, there's things on WhatsApp. There's the Indonesian. There's cultural differences and so on, and there's a little bit of friction maybe, and you you know you you um, you don't want it to occur so you sort of try and correct and sometimes you think if I correct is that going to make it worse you know, draw attention to it but we do have to make sure that our brother or sister is not angry with us you know if you remember that someone's got ought against you verse 23 then you've got to go and sort it out because uh, the Lord's not happy otherwise and this is again this is radical isn't it uh, you shall not kill Jesus says that's in the Old Testament okay uh we understand that part of the Ten Commandments, but I'm telling you that uh calling your brother or sister in the Lord a fool and and slandering them and putting them down is is actually just as bad you're in danger of hellfire you no know, well that's that's pretty high stakes, so not just love your enemies but make sure that there's no friction with your brothers and sisters either um yeah, their family. Okay, let's go up to 1 Peter chapter 2, keep moving. This is perhaps one area that you know, more than any other that we can demonstrate that we're Christians. You know, we can say we're Christians, know, we can say we don't drink and smoke, we can say we go to meetings two or three times a week and all these sorts of things. We can preach the gospel as well, but people watch your behaviour. How do you behave? You know, especially when a person's under pressure and there's an expression, grace under pressure. Uh, it was a big thing with Ernest Hemingway. You know, he was writing about bullfights and uh, safari hunting and um, uh, being in warfare and all that sort of thing. And he was very impressed with people who showed grace under pressure. But uh, grace, of course, comes from God. And uh, you know, we of all people should show grace under pressure because we have the Lord living inside us, the Holy Spirit. Uh, One Peter chapter two and verse nineteen. For so this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward god endure grief suffering wrongfully no you know thanks thankworthy um, because you're a christian and you endure something and he goes on to explain this for what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults you shall take it patiently but if, when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. So, uh, you know, you get told off for doing something wrong while well you're thinking, okay. I mean, it's it's good to sort of take that patiently and accept it. But you know, because not everyone does. Um, but if, when you're actually doing the right thing and then you suffer persecution for it, or you're buffeted, or you're perse- yeah, you're told off, whatever. Uh, and you suffer for that and you take that patiently then you're actually being uh, fulfilling those verses in uh, Matthew chapter 5 and you're being that uh, city on the hill you're being that example children of your father in heaven Uh, verse uh, 21 for even here too were you called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that you should follow his steps who did no sin neither was guile found in his mouth who, when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to them that judgeth righteously. And uh, we remember that Jesus when he was accused, when he was scorned, when he was spat on, when he was mocked, he didn't say a word. You know, it says in Isaiah fifty three that he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, but he opened not his mouth. You know, he didn't he could have he could have said something, but what was the point? Um he just would not not have been uh, there's a better example to say nothing, and uh, is what it means by neither was guile found in his mouth, no, uh, no sort of dissembling or trying to sort of modify the situation, talk himself out of it, just, just silence. When he was reviled, reviled not again. Um, you know, someone say you're such and such, you're such and such. You know, throw it back. We do that as a joke, don't we? Um, but no revile not again <laughs> yeah you know what i'm talking about ben <laughs> when he suffered he threatened not but he committed himself to them that judges righteously. he thought god's the judge he's making righteous judgment so i'll just leave it to him there's no point sort of getting in there and fighting a dirty battle and you know there's the saying even people in the world recognize this don't bring yourself down to their level you know as soon as you engage in a in a less than worthy argument you bring yourself down to that level so You can be a fine example um, for yourself, for your brothers and sisters, for your fellowship, for the Lord, by just remembering these verses, not reviling, not arguing back and so on. Okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And here Paul's writing to the Corinthians about a particular matter about saints. You know, they're having a few problems here in Corinth. And one's taking another to court and there's a few, few other problems and they're all speaking tongues at once in the meeting. And, you know, that's another chapter. And this one's about people taking each other to court over small things and he's rebuking them. And he says in verse 6, But brother goes to law with brother and that before the unbelievers. You know, you go out to a, a court out there in the world instead of sorting it out within amongst yourselves in verse 7, Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you because you go to law one with another. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, you do wrong and defraud, and that's your brethren. Now it's quite plain what, what Paul's saying here. Uh, you're doing wrong. What you should do is allow yourself to, to lose out. Take the wrong. Allow yourself to be defrauded. And sometimes I know this comes up for every one of us in our walk. There's times when something unfair happens to us, and we think, "Oh, I know, mean, I'm going to be, um, some person's going to get one up on me, and it's not not actually fair." And then natural inclination is to to fight, and for the family to rally round and help. And, um, you know, I'm just actually coming into my mind the situation you were talking about today, Tess. You know, with the uh, gentleman on the phone and uh, you know, okay, Tess has unfortunately involved a little accident yesterday on Kings Park Road, and um, the other guy admitted his fault straight away, apparently. But today he's changed his mind and said it wasn't his fault, and, uh, you know, so you sort of well, oh, you know, I'm going to, what can I do, you know? And even my me talking to Tess, is my, my first reaction, I suppose, just as a, as a sort of a carnal, immediate reaction. But, uh, then we have to remember the scriptures and what what we're asked to do and um we're told that uh, vengeance is mine saith the Lord, I will repay you know I'll make everything fair, you know be children of your father who is in heaven and and this example here is amongst this is not even with someone outside this is within the fellowship um just allow yourselves to to be defrauded, and you'll be blessed you know, you'll get the blessing as we say because uh the lord will see and he sees everything and uh, he'll make it right he is a just god he's a god of of justice absolute justice and absolute truth all right uh, romans chapter 12 just back a, a book and one of the great things about the scriptures i mean it says in a, in the mouth of two or three witnesses let everything be established we can just find passage after passage about this just to, to reinforce it and here's another one saying exactly the same thing so the fourth one that we've come to tonight and in verse 14 bless them which persecute you bless and curse not rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep be of the same mind one toward another mind not high things but condescend to men of low estate be not wise in your own conceits recompense to no man evil for evil provide things honest in the sight of all men If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. I love that little phrase, don't you? It's just to let you off the hook, just a little bit. If it be possible, and that middle bit, as much as lieth in you. Because some people are a bit more volatile than others, aren't they? They're a bit more fiery and reactive. Some people have a calm temperament. You know, it's probably easier for them. So the Lord is saying, you know, do your best. You we know we're perfect in sight of God because we've received the Holy Spirit. He's put His robe of righteousness over us. He doesn't see sin. He knows we may still make errors. But he doesn't see our sin. So as much as is possible, do the right thing. If you fail, don't think that's the end. Just strive to do better. You know, live peaceably with all men. dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. In other words, leave wrath alone. Leave anger alone. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And that's from the Old Testament. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Wow, you know, that gets pretty descriptive. Um, literally, you can do that. Uh, I notice quite often um, when we're out door knocking, and it's a hot day, you know. If there's any religious person, they'll always offer you a cup of water. As the scriptures say, you know, even if you disagree. Um, not that we're, we're enemies, you know. We're sort of we've got saying We've got the Bible. We just don't, uh, you know. We have differences in our interpretation. Worshiping in spirit and truth. Well, that is. But um, you can do this literally, and we can do it, you know. Obviously spiritually. And I often think, you know, if someone were to to physically attack um, and go on the rampage, just start preaching to them, start praying in tongues, and start talking. And you know, I heard some interesting testimonies. Uh, particularly, think of uh, the one from the pastor from New Plymouth, where someone attacked him in a motel room with a hammer. Um, just broke into the room, started rebuking them in the name of Jesus and praying in tongues. And next minute, they flew out the window. I don't quite know how, but. <laughs> Maybe they just reacted to the hearing tongues and they flew backwards and then went out the window or something, but it was, it was quite a dramatic testimony. He gave it at uh, the 2008 uh, WA convention. Um, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And, um, you know, evil is, is out there, it's interacting with us, but don't, don't get on that level, overcome it with good. And as I say, the passages just start multiplying, and these are only some of them. Through the New Testament, so uh, we, we get the message, don't we? In the mouth of two or three witnesses, and the Lord puts in so many passages for us. Um, some of them are specific. You know, Paul is writing to addressing particular problems in particular fellowships. But uh, you know, we can take it take it to heart in a general sense and a specific way too. Um, let's just finish up in Acts chapter 20, shall we? And Paul comes comes through Ephesus here, on his at the end of his third journey, and he knows he's going to be, you know, he's got to face these charges, and he's going to end up going to Rome. He's appealing to Caesar, and so on. And he comes through, and he, t- he tells them in Ephesus where he has stayed for, an, you know, quite a period of time previously, and uh, you know they're all very fond of him there. And um, he, he t- says to them in verse twenty-eight verse 27 i have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of god take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the holy ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of god which is purchased with his own blood for i know this that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you not sparing the flock and also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them and uh, you know he's telling them about tif- troubled times ahead that are coming upon the church. And he had visions from the Holy Spirit. We read that in other places in Acts. He was taught by revelation of Jesus Christ, caught up into the third heaven, as he mentions in 2 Corinthians. And you know, he knew these things like a prophet almost here and saying this is what's going to happen. And uh, yet through all of this, and you can imagine how hard that would be as the church was riven apart by internal divisions, people rising up, uh, amongst of your own selves people are rising up speaking perverse things drawing away disciples in other words schisms um, people coming in grievous wolves entering in not sparing the flock and saying so, you know amongst all of that you still got to be that example you've still got to be that christ-like um, person who when he was reviled he reviled not again and uh, he's verse 35 he sums it up by saying i have showed you all things how that so labouring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the lord jesus how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive and we don't actually read of jesus saying those words we read of paul saying them here so attributing to them to jesus but you know it's a well-known saying and it's been adopted by many places by the world and um, Understanding that, uh, you know, I mean, I've actually had it uh, interacting with it uh, fairly recently, and p- people saying this in business, and uh, you know, that don't just seek to take, 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 but give, 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 and then people will give to you, and that's, you know, they don't realise how how scriptural that is, that it's actually Jesus that said that, and uh, as I say, you know, his uh, his doctrine, his audacious, radical doctrine. Which he spoke there on the, on the Sermon on the Mount has infiltrated our society, our culture. People know it. They find it hard to live by it. But of all people, we can live by it, can't we? Because we've got the Holy Spirit. And all people say, Amen.